You know you are capable of more because you have a burning desire to get the absolute most out of life. To starve your fears, to follow your dreams, and to realize your true potential. And we are going to do that together. This is The Andy Stork Show. Let's go. Welcome to the Andy Storch Show. I am your host, Andy Storch, and this is a show where we can come together to starve our fears, to follow our dreams, and to fulfill our true potential. And one of the things that I love talking about on this show is fear, because I think it's the number one thing that holds people back from following their dreams and from fulfilling their true potential. It's the fear of judgment, the fear of failure, the fear of success, the fear of what other people will think, the fear of rejection. Um, The list goes on and on and on. uh, And we all have fear and we all have fear that hold us back. I do. uh, My friends do. You do. Uh, If you don't think you do, you're probably not being very honest with yourself. Um, But Maybe you've gotten past fear in certain areas and that is what allowed you to try new things and what helped you become successful in an area where you are today. But there might be other things that you really want to do, uh, but you currently lack the confidence to do them. Well, today I have a great interview for you that is going to address these things. Uh, My guest today is Chris Niemeyer and Chris is a business owner, a confidence coach, a business productivity consultant, and the co-host of the Entrepreneurial Family Man podcast. He's also a husband and a father to four kids, and he is big on not only entrepreneurship and running a business, but he's committed to helping other entrepreneurs work on their business instead of in it. He's also very passionate about helping small business owners discover more time and financial freedom, uh, living a life of adventure, spending more time with loved ones and operating in their sweet spot, uh, which helps them you know, grow their business, be more happy, more fulfilled. And one of the things that he loves to talk about uh, besides travel and working on your business is how to get past fear and build more confidence. And today in this interview, you're going to hear Chris tell a very fascinating story about Uh, a very scary and fearful or uh, humiliating situation he dealt with in high school and what he learned about fear uh, in that situation and how he has helped himself get past fears and how he now helps other people get past fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And uh, he explains this through um, his four steps for getting past fear, uncertainty, and doubt, and also through his seven C's to confidence. I think you're really going to like these. Uh, if I, if you're able to, I would take out a pen and be ready to take some notes. Um, but you'll have this to listen to again and again, and we'll put some uh, links and other bullets in the show notes because this is a good one. If you are dealing with any kind of fear, you're trying to build confidence in any kind of area, uh, this is a good one for you to listen to. So without further ado, here's my interview with my good friend, Chris Niemeyer. Oh, Chris, welcome to the podcast. Hey, great to be here, Andy. Thanks for the invite. Pumped, pumped to talk to you. Yeah, this is exciting. Uh, you and I have got to know each other pretty well over the last, I don't know, a few months or so since you moved to Florida. We got to hang out a few times. I met you through um, some other guys in your EFM crew, Jamie and, uh, and Mike, and uh, of course, our mutual friend, Vincent Puglese, who runs the Total yes. Life Freedom Group. And I know that you have been doing some great things running multiple businesses and you've been getting into doing more coaching and consulting, and you have an amazing story, from what I understand, 
that I'd love to, to hear and, and share with, uh, with our listeners. So it's good to have you on. Yeah. I'm glad to be here, man. Yeah. I feel like about a month ago, we were hanging with all of our kids and wives in the pool and a resort and just having a blast together. So I know we've, we've done a couple of those. And like you said, uh, I think you made the comment about uh, masterminding by the pool, uh, <laughs> That's right. which we've done probably three times now. Every time we hang out, we're in a pool, which such is life in Florida, right? That's right. And, uh, you know, on that topic, though, one of the things we've even talked about is the types of friends we have, the types of conversations we have, and how it's so valuable to have friends where when you get together, you know, not staying away from sports or weather, but you know, you're not just talking about sports or the weather, like you have real conversations, you can talk about business, you can talk about uh, other people that you associate with the things you've been learning lately, you know, how you've been raising your kids and um, things you've been doing right and wrong and, and learn from others and not worry too much about judgment. And I, I appreciate that we have that. Yeah, no, I totally agree, man. It's good to have friends that are wanting to elevate in all areas of life. And that's a big, uh, big part of who I am is making sure that not just the business, but my marriage, my kids, my, you know, fatherhood is, is all going well. So it's good to have guys that you can link arms with and share the struggles, share the challenges and opportunities of, of some wins ahead too. Yeah. And I know you do a lot of that. You have the, your podcast, uh, entrepreneurial family man, uh, with, uh, some other co-hosts and, uh, you do some, some coaching and consulting, you're involved in many groups. Uh, and I know you've been helping people a lot with getting over fear and I definitely want to get into that. But before we do, let's start with your story. Um, you know, where did you come from and, and how did you get to where you are today? Yeah, well, do you want me to talk about the, the, the fear story or just the, a little bit of background? Well, you start with a little bit of background, but I, yeah, I would love yeah. to get into the, into the story of you know, how you, you got over your first major fear of uh, public speaking. Sure, okay. Well, yeah, I mean, we'll put that story on pause for a minute and just say that, yeah, I, I grew up in Northern California, uh, met and married a beautiful, beautiful bride of mine at 18 years here in a couple of weeks uh, down in San Diego. And we uh, had a great, great career start in, in politics, of all things. Uh, after six years, I finally realized this is not what I want to do with, for the rest of my life and had to scratch that entrepreneurial itch. And so literally had that kitchen table experience with my wife where we put some things down on a napkin that said, well, what are we interested in? What are we good at? Uh, where we've been gifted? What connections do we have? And this idea of starting a, an online travel business came into the forefront uh, based on some of our interests and, and hobbies and things of that nature. So 2006, left the career of politics, started an online business, and uh, the rest is history in terms of entrepreneurship. Now I've got a couple online companies now have raised up a team to, to run those. And so I'm very much removed uh, from the day to day because I just have an amazing team that's handling the, the intricacies of running those businesses. And uh, the last couple of years, been able to push back and do some, some coaching, some consulting now in the business world. And uh, these two topics in particular is one working on fear. Uh, as much as I coach people and I'm in masterminds, a lot of the, the basis of why people are not taking the next step has to do with what I call FUD. And that's mm. the fear, uncertainty, and doubt that creep in. And so taking a look at how to address that, how to tackle that directly. And then another thing that I'm just passionate about, and uh, you know, people say my nicknames are, are, or middle names are productivity and efficiency, uh, is just this idea of work, truly working on your business and not in it. And so helping 
especially entrepreneurs and solopreneurs gain more time freedom uh, from their business and, and some of the financial freedom and spending more time with their loved ones by automating, eliminating, delegating, and outsourcing some of the stuff that they don't want to. So yeah. that's, uh, that's a bit about me. That's awesome. And, and such big topics there. And, you know, you've built this wonderful business in a way that uh, you're not uh, dependent on one location or place. You've either you've moved around a couple of times, you've lived in California and Oregon and Florida. And, uh, you know, oftentimes I think you're kind of living the life that a lot of people might dream of. And you, you talk about that because you want to inspire other people, I know, to be able to do that as well. And that's one of the reasons for working, you know, on the business instead of in the business. But getting back to the fear thing, I like to talk about fear a lot as well because I see, I know where it's held me back and I see where it holds so many people back from doing the things that they really want to do, from following their dreams, um, from taking that chance, from starting a business, you know, having that important conversation, maybe um, having more of a social media presence, speaking more, whatever it is. People have a lot, I think a lot of people have ideas in their heads and think I'll never do that or I can't ever do that because they have fear that holds them back. Yeah, absolutely. It's so true. And you know, that, that gets us to the, that, that big story of mine, kind of as I've been going back through my life story and looking at some themes, one of the big instances that I had to uh, get over was this fear of public speaking. And uh, you know, we were, we were joking earlier on, on the call, but that's one of Jerry Seinfeld's famous quotes about the top fears is number one, public speaking. Number two is death. And he goes, wait a second. So you would rather be in the casket than give the eulogy, right? Yes, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's right. And I, and I think that a lot of people thinking like, yeah, I, I think I would. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, so for me, it was, uh, gosh, it was, I, I remember it vividly because it was the last week of high school, June of 1998. And I had just left the principal's office. Now this wasn't as, not as bad as it sounds. I had just given my, uh, my final draft of my valedictorian speech. And you got to press pause here for a minute and go back to about a month earlier when I had learned that indeed I had, was given that opportunity to speak. Andy, I was terrified. I was like, no, I don't want to speak in front of a couple thousand people. Like, yeah. oh my gosh. Just give me my diploma. As many yeah, people just, would be thinking. I just want to walk down at the very end, right? And, uh, and so I had to, I had to face that fear and, and God bless them. I got wonderful parents um, who would just help me realize, you know, this is, this is an opportunity you've worked hard for. Uh, you've been given this gift to, of this platform to, to speak and to share from your heart. And, you know, so what's, what's the worst that could happen? And we actually went through kind of that list of like, what's the worst that could happen? You know, like maybe I'd have to run off the stage or whatever, but at least I get to like give this speech and it's going to be printed. Right. And so, go back to that June day, I had, uh, you know, I'd given that draft and in the context of who I was as a high school student too, you know, this is where you're gonna roll your eyes. Cause I was that guy, right? I was like, yes, I was a valedictorian. I was also a student body president and like multi-sport, you know, athlete and all that, all that involvement, uh, really because I was working towards scholarships, frankly. Uh, and I was also very active and vocal about who I was and my beliefs. And so I was president of the Christian club on campus. And, uh, and so we had some, uh, some you know, out, outreaches there where people knew where I stood, and even in classes. And so it was a shock when later that afternoon, I get a call that says, hey, the principal wants to speak to you. So I go back into his office. 
and he sits down and says, Chris, I've looked through your draft and um, yeah, you, you can't give this speech. Mm. And I'm like, what? And he says, you know, there's, there's references to, to God and to your faith. And uh, this is not appropriate. You can't give this speech. You need to rewrite it. And I was a little baffled. I mean, you know, again, kind of a young 18 year old and um, just going, I thought I'd, I thought I had the right to, and there's something about, you know, free speech. And I said, you know, let, let me go back to my parents and then we'll talk about it tonight and I'll get back to you in the morning. And so I did. And through the counsel of my parents, a pastor, uh, an attorney friend of ours, that next morning, we decided to seek an injunction against the school district, which would essentially bar them from censoring my speech. And man, those next 72 hours were surreal. Uh, well, my classmates- always goes over well when you're-, when you're doing Yeah, you only take you to court, right? Uh, but you know, my, my classmates were doing senior skip day and kind of having fun scooting into graduation. Uh, I was holding press conferences at the school grounds and the media in Northern California picked up on what was happening. So they were very curious. So then Friday of graduation, uh, we were actually at, the graduation ceremony grounds for the dress rehearsal. And we get the call from the court and they said, we've denied your injunction. And so that meant going back into the principal's office third time in a week, you know, you're like, here I may have the straightest student in the principal's yeah. office a lot. And we sit down and this is hours before graduation. And he goes, all right, we're going to go through this line by line. He had his like dreaded red highlighter out. Yeah. And he says, okay, we're going to take this word out and this sentence, whatever. And I quickly realized this is not my speech. This is not who I am. It's not sharing from my heart. Mm. And so at that time, we agreed to that I would give up and give just a quick paragraph explanation of why I couldn't speak that night. And so getting to graduation, there were a lot more cameras there than as normal graduations would have it. Um, we get it through the ceremony into where I was going to be scheduled to come up and take the podium. And I just remember this moment vividly because I, I started taking the steps up and I see the principal walk up in front of the podium and he grabs the microphone from the podium and he says, Chris, get off the stage. You lost your right to speak today when you went to court. Wow. And here I am like, what is going on? And man, in that moment, I was um, just, yeah, just deeply humiliated uh, in front of thousands of people. Like, Did he say that on the mic or was that just to you privately? He pulled the mic away and said that to me privately. And I imagine uh, people are watching and I imagine your speech was much more anticipated by the student body than normal uh, valedictorian speech that most people would let's be honest, ignore and be waiting for the, you know, for it to be right. done so we can get out of here. Right. Just give me my diploma. So, yeah. So he begins talking to me, berating me. Meanwhile, to your point, the crowd starts going crazy and they start chanting and pounding the stadium seats. Let him speak. Oh my Let gosh. him speak. And it just got like crazy loud, like a major football game. Right. And the school board members, which were on stage, they came and surrounded me, started just saying, Chris, you're making a fool of yourself. Get off the stage. Whoa. We're going to have, and then they finally said, we're going to have you arrested if you do not get off the stage. 
and I am, you know, 18 years old, I'm crying. I've got a mix of emotions of anger of just so much there. And, and I quickly realized like, okay, this is, this is not going to end the way I want it to. And, um, yeah, I, I went down the middle of stage, just sobbing, like heaving shoulders of emotion and, uh, rejection and humiliation. And, um, you know, fortunately, like my classmates all got up and surrounded me like this kind of big group hug. And, uh, and we went back to our seats and, and that was, that was the end of it in terms of graduation. It continued on. And, but the cool thing in the story, Andy, is that, you know, I, I had, again, back to this fear thing, I had to address like, what's the worst that could happen? Yeah. Well, <laughs> that was kind of the worst that could happen. Actually, it's a lot worse than you thought. <laughs> right? <laughs> and so I, you know, I, I teach this whole FUD factor and the whole four steps to overcoming your fear. And, and there's the other ways is to, to address this is what could happen. And then how, how can I mitigate that? What could I do this mm. in my control? Um, how could I fix that? And then quantify like what's the what's the best case and worst case scenarios of if I didn't even get up on stage. Well, the cool thing is that that's not the end of the story, because the next morning, uh, this is back in like the answer machine days, right? So my my yeah. parents' answer machine is like blowing up yeah. after I after I woke up late from you know senior party night, and there were media outlets from across the country, uh, nationally syndicated radio. Fox TV, CNN, mm. uh, people all across the West Coast that were like, we want to hear what happened and we want to hear from you. Mm. And so for the next month of, my, of that, that summer, uh, I was on dozens and dozens of uh, TV, radio interviews. The actual speech got printed in major papers like the Chronicle, San Francisco Chronicle and Sacramento Bee. Wow. I was able to give the speech on live radio that literally reached millions of people. And <laughs> the impact of the speech was simply this. It was three points. Who are we? Why are we here? And where are we going? Yeah. And yet it, it was, it was a, it was general enough to reach anyone that was listening and really made them think. And so I, we, we just got amazing letters and emails from people saying, Oh my gosh, I heard you on whatever and ended up changing yeah. my life because of this. And, so just kind of cool to, you just never know like what fear could be holding you back yeah. and what's on the other side of that fear. And it's, and it's so amazing because so many people in life might try to hold you back for seemingly silly reasons. I mean, the, the, I haven't heard the speech or seen the speech. I know you and I got to imagine it was a pretty, it was something that would be uh, applicable to anybody. And I know you probably had some references to your faith and God, but I imagine that wasn't the overarching theme of the speech. And yet they, they wanted to take that out. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and to your point, I mean, there's so many times it's people that hold us back. Uh, and, and interesting side note, I've had two principles in my life. My elementary principal was Mr. Hurt and this principal was named Mr. Pain. Wow. <laughs> so sometimes those painful people that want to hurt you, do put up a roadblock in front of you and they're the obstacle you've got to overcome. And you know, as well as I do, cause you talk about this starving your fears is yeah. sometimes you just have to starve those people in your life that are negative and, and move on. Yeah. 
Well, let's talk about this idea of fear and, and the biggest fear, I think, you know, people say the number one fear is public speaking. I, I think the biggest fear in general is judgment from others, right? You fear that humiliation and you had an experience that was uh, ostensibly very humiliating, right? You're in tears walking off this stage in front of hundreds of people. I don't know how big your graduating class was, but instead of it, you know, ruining you, these people came together to your aid. You had news outlets that wanted to hear from you. Uh, you know, the worst thing that could possibly happen, it was probably worse than you anticipated, uh, ended up in the long run not being that bad, right? And I feel like that's usually the case. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that in that example, I, I would have reached maybe a couple thousand people that were there, right? Friends and family, Uncle Bob on the stands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but I think there was a higher purpose in mind. And so, yeah, I was able to, I was able to reach many more people than I could have even realized. And I think that's true of a lot of the scenarios where we might have a goal or an objective that is big and it might be a big stretch for us and it might affect and impact a lot of people. Uh, And so sometimes we stay small because we're like, boy, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I want to put myself out there or that fear of rejection, like you said, the fear of being humiliated or, or losing control of the situation. Uh, but I think so many times we just have to step into that and, and find confidence through the process. Yeah. Okay. So how do we do that? Because uh, this is a very common fear. I have spent my entire life being afraid of rejection. Uh, I still deal with it. I think, uh, you know, I talk about starving your fears on this podcast and other places, which is usually, I, I created it as a reminder to me that if I'm scared of something, I need to lean into it and do it. If there's some, a chance I want to take, I need to go take that chance. Um, but it doesn't change the fact that I'm still afraid of certain things, not as much of failure anymore, but of course of judgment and especially of rejection. If we're thinking about doing something new, we have an opportunity to speak somewhere, uh, but we're f- afraid or terrified of, you know, what people might think. How do we get past that? Yeah, good question. And this is, this is as old as history, right? Of, of people just having those self doubts or those limiting beliefs or whatever. Um, so I, I've, I've created a, a process that I go through and it's really something that I've seen happen in my life throughout the years that I've just developed. And it's, it's this idea called the FUD factor and the seven C's to confidence. So FUD again, stands for fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And there are not a lot of people like you and me that want to talk about fear. In fact, I think we've actually sugarcoated it over the past decade. We, we talk about now their limiting beliefs mm-hmm. or upper limit challenges or whatever. Dude, yeah. let's just call it out. It's fear, right? Yep. Yeah. And, and so I think part of this process is just hitting it head on. And so this idea of the FUD factor exercise that I go through is, and this is in the context of a, of a goal, of a, of a big you know, objective that you want to, to accomplish. A lot of times, you know, you and I are involved in communities where 12 week year or best year ever or whatever the goal course is, yep. it's easy to throw a goal out there, but I think one of the things that gets lost in the process is identifying what's the fear or the doubt behind this goal. Why haven't I achieved this goal yet? And so I, I talk about that in terms of a smart framework or even a smart D framework. So I add the why. It's kind of a, a pun intended here. Just add the why. It's like, what is your why? Like, what's truly your why with this goal? So wrap it up in that smart framework and then dig deep on what's the motivation behind this goal. What, do, what is it that you want to achieve? And then the FUD factor is a four steps. So number one is address the actual fear itself. 
So what's the fear or the uncertainty or the doubt that's holding you back from the objective? Just call it out, address it what it is, say what's the worst case scenario that could happen? So in that case of you know, public speaking or whatever it could be is, what's the worst case scenario here? And then the second step is to manage it. If, if these possible worst case scenarios happened, how could I manage that? What would it look like if I were to go through the process of, of mitigating that, that thing that happened or the outcome that I didn't want to happen? Again, this is just going through the exercise in your mind and getting it on paper so that it's, it's not this villain inside your head. It's just stuff on a paper. You're like, you know what? That's not as bad as I thought. So, it's, so we've addressed it. We've managed it. Now we get to the F, which is fix it. How can I fix it? If this happens, what could I do within my power or the connections that I have to fix the outcome? And then the fourth step is to quantify it, both in what if even partial success happened or full success happened by reaching this goal? Quantify what the outcome could be. A lot of times that really motivates someone to push forward and go, man, I, need, I just need to do this because if this is going to happen, this is going to be the result go for it. And then also, and sometimes even more powerfully is quantify what the process or what the outcome would be if it, if you didn't take any action at all. Right. Yeah. If you if don't you just take any action, stayed right. Yeah. And here's so just getting through that, here's where you are. You haven't taken the action, you know, quantify that in terms of whether it's a, a weight goal, like you're going to get stuck with bad health six months from now, a year from now, three years mm -hmm. from now. Uh, financially, you don't hit those metrics because you didn't push this course out or this offering out. So that quantifying part is a powerful piece of of this process, this formula that we go through. Yeah, this is this is a great process because I think that uh, you know people often will set big goals, right? And then they they get held back, they don't do it, and and a lot of times people will say, well, it's because you don't really have a plan, right? A goal without a plan is, is really just a hope, and that doesn't get you anywhere, right? You need to have a plan. But even if you have a plan, if you haven't properly addressed the fear or the thing that might be holding you back, then you're probably still going to get scared, scared and stop. You might, you know, say my goal is to build a bigger presence online and start posting videos. Uh, and my plan is I'm going to post one video a week on Instagram or Facebook, whatever it is. But if you still have a major fear of rejection and judgment, and you haven't really addressed that, then how are you going to get past that? So let's say that I do um, recognize that. Okay. I am scared. Um, how do I get, how, what do I do with that? How do I manage it and, and fix that fear? Yeah, absolutely. So what, what could you do in your power to, to mitigate that? Like what would be, what would be the thing for you? Let's just use your example here. Yeah. You're scared of videos or, or what people might think of that. Like, yeah, well, I'm going to, I'm going to use the example of, uh, our good friend, uh, John, I'm going to call him out, John Vandermeulen, who's been uh, dealing with has this exact, I think, situation. And uh, I think it's to start practicing, start small, right? Take little chances, maybe create some videos that you can send to a couple friends and show them, get their feedback before you have to go big and, and maybe show more people. Um, you know, for me, it's, it's just take the first step. It's take action, right? And see that oh, it's really not that bad. I mean, the video might be bad, but it's really not that bad that the judgment is really not as bad as I, as I thought. In fact, nobody even really paid attention to it. Uh, and then yeah. getting more practice and more practice and more experience. Um, but if you have some people you trust, I think the best thing is 
you know, try some stuff in a, in a safe environment, get some feedback and, and keep looking at improving. Yeah, absolutely. And that's funny that you mentioned that I haven't shared this with you yet, but the part of the process of the seven C's to confidence is that, I mean, num- number one, it's, it's call it out. What is the fear or the uncertainty, the doubt that's holding you back from this? So just call it out. Like I said, get it on paper, do it in that whole smarter framework process. The second C is to make a commitment to say, you know what, I'm going to do this. And to your point, I'm going to take these small steps. I'm going to make this small step of just sitting out a, you know, 30 second video to try and, and send it to my friends, whatever, but it's making that commitment. And then the third step to your point is the connections. Who do you have? Who are you connected to that could help you with this, this big goal, this big objective you want to, to move forward on? You and I are connected to a lot of people. And if you simply reach out to five or 10 friends and say, have, I've got this, this big, hairy, audacious goal I want to go after. Can you help me? People want to help each other. Like we're just naturally inclined to be helpers. Yeah. And I think so many times we forget that because again, we don't, we don't want to be rejected. Mm-hmm. But if you just say, you know what, like these top friends or family, like I need, I need some help with this. I don't have the confidence yet to do this, but I named my fear. I've made this commitment. Now I need help from you. My, my connections. That's a big step. I think a lot of people don't get toward. And so John, we're calling you out, man. Send us those videos. <laughs> well, he has been recording some, some short videos and sending it to me. So that's why that example came to mind. Cause he's doing it. He's taking those steps, which I love to see. Awesome. And, and I've done some of this too. I mean, I started, a lot of people know me as the, someone that creates like tons of content and puts it out there and doesn't worry about it. But I started small then closed groups, you know, that I belong to creating content first text only. And then, you know, from pictures and then getting into video and, and then surrounding myself with other people who were doing those things, um, particularly on LinkedIn where I'm very active. I, I surrounded myself with other content creators and saw what they're doing. And I'm like, dang, I got to do that too. Let me watch from them, learn from them. And it's work. It seems to be working for them. Let me give this a shot. What's the worst, you know, to your point earlier, what's the worst that can happen? And the, really the worst that happens is generally nobody watches it. Nobody cares. Right. I mean, unless you're as big as Gary V, you're not going to be getting those hate comments, you know, people coming after you, you're such an idiot. Like it's, it's just not going to happen unless you're, you're big time. So, and, and you could use this example for, for anything. Um, but you've got to start trying stuff to build that experience before you can ever build the confidence. And you were starting to talk about the, the seven yeah. seeds of confidence. Uh, you and I talked about this uh, a little while back. I think we were at the pool. A lot of people want to have the confidence before they try something new, but it's never going to happen unless you try it and build the experience and then build the confidence, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's the thing. That's, that's the premise to this seven C's to confidence. You know, and it's a course I'll be throwing out later this year, likely, but it's, it's really taking those steps. So I, I'll, we can review it here if you liked, but what just, it's yeah. number one is that calling it out, call out yeah. the fear, make the commitment in the framework of a smart goal and mm-hmm. understanding why reach out to your connections, the third C, have them help, ask for the help. And then, you know, num- number four, you're starting to build courage because there's this thing in life that I, it's called borrowed, you know, borrowed courage. When I reach out to you and say, Hey, I want to do this. Like I, I think I need your help. And you have five or 10 people that reply back. You should do this. Go for it. I'm here to support you. What do you need? You're borrowing their courage. Even if at that point you don't really have it. 
And so you're making the steps toward, okay, I, you know what? Yeah, I can do this because other people believe in me, right? Which gets to that. The next C is capabilities. You're reminded, okay, this is the goal. These are the objectives. These are the next steps you need to take. You know what? I, I am capable of this. I can do this. I have the skill sets and the wherewithal to do it. In fact, these friends that I just reached out to, they said I, they said I have that. And so you've built the courage now. You, you remind yourself of the capabilities. The next is consistency. So to your point of being consistent on the posts, start with texts, you know, start with video, whatever it is, do those sequential steps yep. and be consistent with it. It's day after day after day after day or week after week to build that experience and, and that builds up more courage and capabilities. And of course you do that through consistency. Exactly. Yeah. And consistency is huge. And the seventh C, and this is why this is so important and, and, you practice what you preach in terms of being in masterminds, but the seven C is community, really doing it in community, having a, a band of brothers, a group of other entrepreneurs that you're with where you're doing this, this task, this goal, whatever it is in community, you're linking arms with other people. Again, you still haven't had, don't have the confidence in all this yet, but you're doing it in community. And there's this, I think it's a Swedish proverb that says, I might butcher this here, but it says, you know, uh, man, I'm blanking on the, uh, the wording of it, but you know, essentially shared joys are twice as joyous and shared challenges are half as heavy. And shared, shared joy is double joy. Shared there you go. Sorrow is half a sorrow, half a sorrow. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Google. Thank you, Google. That's right. But just to that point is if you're in community and, and we do this, right, in terms of sharing our wins, sharing our, our victories, and it's yeah. just, it becomes that much more engaging. You kind of feed off of each other. The same is true when we share some of the challenges or maybe missteps. You have a community of people to, to be around and support you and to lift you up and sometimes offer the advice that's needed or the tools or resources that you may need to, to get over that. But community is a big aspect of that. Mm -hmm. And the cool thing about this is it's just a self-revolving circle because once you've gone through the process of these sequential steps and you've shared this in community, confidence is happening. Mm -hmm. Confidence is happening through the process. Mm -hmm. And that confidence to get you to this goal is going to lead you to the next goal. And so start all over. What's this next goal? Yep. What do I need to address? Yeah. What do I need to call out and commit to? So that's my, my seven C's to confidence. Yeah. A lot of people ask about, you know, how do you get rid of fear? I want to be fearless or whatever. I've talked about this many times before. I mean, there's, there's never going to be an absence of fear, especially if you keep trying new things. Uh, and courage is not the absence of fear. It's just looking at fear and saying like, okay, I think I have what it takes to go do this, whatever it is, I'm going to give it a shot. And that uh, one thing I learned from a mentor of mine, Larry Yach, is that fear is the absence or fear is the perceived lack of control. You just don't know what's going to happen, right? Mm. But if you build up enough experience, you keep trying things, you make, you call it out, you make that commitment, you leverage your connections, you build your courage, um, that starts to build your capabilities and you build your experience. And then your courage goes up, your fear goes down as you keep trying to do those things. And the first time I did a podcast interview, I was scared as hell. Now I've done over 200. You and I get on the same. I know you've done a bunch as well. You and I get on Zoom. We just start talking. We record it and we post it and we don't even think about it. But that's because we've right. done it so much that we're not scared to do it anymore. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I remember having, we like me, like some of the first podcast episodes I had just like these cl- clammy hands and I'm sweating a little bit more than I used to. And yeah. now it's just like, you know, it's, it's a normal Tuesday. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I remember the first, the first one I did, actually the second, the first one I did was my friend Jason Teeters. The second one was with uh, Aaron Walker, who I know you know. Yeah. Well. Uh-huh. He had already been on probably hundreds of podcasts. And this is like my second interview. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy's <laughs> going to be judging me about how well this went, right? But it went fine. And it got me going. And, uh, you know, like I said, 200 plus whatever interviews, three years, two years later, uh, here I am. And going out and taking that chance uh, is what allowed me to start building experience. And I love what you said about community as well, because I've been involved in communities. And uh, I think there's a couple important aspects there. Number one, you surround yourself with people who are willing to not only support you and give you that borrowed confidence, like you said, um, but also to challenge you, to hold you accountable and say, hey, Chris, you told me that you were going to start a podcast or you were going to start doing videos or you were going to start going to the gym five days a week. Like, how's that going? Right. You don't want to let me down. Nope. And then the other aspect is that that's worked really well for me is you get in a community where that's normal, right? If you want to get in, in better shape and you're in a community of, of a bunch of people that are working out every day and trying to get in better shape. It's normal to go to the gym five or six days a week. Whereas your other friends you hang out with, it's abnormal, right? And so they're like, whoa, I can't believe you're going to the gym that much and you're an outlier and then you you maybe stop doing it. But if you get in a community that's, you know, everyone's going to the gym or you and I go to podcast conferences and hang out in podcast communities, everybody has a podcast. It's normal to be putting (laughs) stuff out, you know, content out there online all the time. And so it's, it's, uh, you borrow that confidence from that. Well, they're all doing it. So, you know, I might as well do it as well. You surround yourself with people who are doing the things you want to do so you can emulate them. And I think that builds a lot of, um, confidence as well. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a key component of, and I think on any entrepreneur's journey, that's, that's an area where I wish I would have focused on sooner in my Mm -hmm. entrepreneur journey is I, I was probably more isolated than I should have been that those early years. And so it's great to see like, you know, your example of how you are just super engaged in multiple communities, you know, within online or masterminds where you're, yeah. you're doing live meetups, but you know, yeah, you have those, you have those weekly challenges or you have those weekly accountabilities where you're saying, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Did yep. you do it? But yeah. it, it gets to your point of it's like-minded people that want to be growing individually and together. Right. I know you run a mastermind. You're in masterminds. I'm in a couple of masterminds. I want to give a shout out to my friend, Larry Hagner, who runs the dad's edge group because it was because I heard his podcast and start joined his community and joined a mastermind with him that I even started the podcast, right? He challenged everybody to do a 90 day goal. I said, great. I'm going to start a podcast. This is back in January of 2017 or 16, I guess. And, uh, you know, got help from him accountability and then, uh, you know, started building my own, my brand and my finding my voice from being in a community of, of supportive people and people that are holding me accountable. Uh, and people are always willing to help if you're willing, if you're asking for help, right? So you mentioned uh, the leverage connections and ask for help. Now, one other piece I want to get to is um, this idea of working on your business versus in your business. And I know part of this came from you've built successful businesses of your own. But I know over the years, you've had a lot of people reaching out to you for help and that you've helped a lot of people along the way because you like to help people. And I, I remember talking to you about this in March. At some point, you said, hey, maybe I should you know, build a business around this. Um, tell me about the, you know, what are the, come the like, couple of the key challenges or things that you see entrepreneurs doing wrong that they're getting you know, really caught up working in the business versus on the business? What does that mean? 
Yeah. Well, and quick shout out to my, the best business manager I have is my wife. So she, <laughs> she, Alicia, this is a shout out to you and thank you for identifying the fact that like Andy, you just said, so many people would reach out to me and I've spent, you know, countless hundreds of hours at coffee shops or meals or on the phone talking to, you know, mostly guys that are like, Hey, how'd you do this part of your business? Or how'd you do this? Or what'd you do here? And she finally said, you know what? you need to monetize that because, <laughs> because you figured it out and people are asking you all the time. Right. So just this whole idea of systems and processes and, and identifying, okay, this is the type of business I want. And, and I talk about this personally. And we talk about this over at entrepreneurial family man a lot is identifying the lifestyle you want and how could you build a business around that, that would serve the lifestyle you want first. Uh, I was that, that typical solopreneur, small business entrepreneur years ago who left a great, you know, six figure paying job, jumped into my own business, quickly built that up to exceed what I was doing. But yet I was kind of handcuffed to the laptop and to the phone. And I was that my own worst boss. Right. And it was in those moments of going, you know what? I am doing too much to your question. I'm doing too much over here wearing the hat of sales, wearing the hat of marketing, uh, having to deal with a little bit of HR because I started to hire a couple employees, doing the books still, uh, keeping the foot on the gas of, you know, website and graphics and all that stuff. And as you know, a lot of times entrepreneurs and solopreneurs, we wear all those hats. A lot yeah. of them don't fit. A lot of them are pretty scratchy and we'd rather just chuck them. Yeah. And it's getting to that point of identifying here's my true skill sets. I'm like, what's the awareness factor of here's what I'm passionate about. This is why I built this business in the first place. You know, a lot of times we're, we're creatives, we're visionaries and we want to, to do the thing to work in our sweet spot. But then we're, we realize, my gosh, there's a lot to running a business. And so it's taken a step back. And I talk a lot about this in, in the way some of the coaching I do and consulting is really identifying where you're spending your time. And I mean down to like every five or 10 minutes of your day, spend two weeks identifying what you're doing, all those tasks, and then have a date with yourself. Maybe it's a Saturday morning or whenever, but spend a couple of hours digging into that, identifying all those tasks that you would rather outsource. And so that's how I ended up building you know, my businesses was identifying, okay, I don't want to be doing this anymore or this what can I do and how can I produce a, a business system and a process? What tools are out there? What resources and who can I find? And so that's a, that's a big, big component that a lot of, again, back to our other conversation, a lot of business owners get fearful mm -hmm. because they go, gosh, I, I'm going to lose control if I do this or mm -hmm. what's, what if this happens over here and it gets lost? Well, you're already doing all those things. You know, you can take them back if you need to. But what would it look like if you were to outsource a few key areas that you don't like to do and you gained five hours, 10 hours of your week back yep. to spend with your loved ones, to work more in your sweet spot, to generate the sales you need? So those are some big areas that I think a lot of solopreneurs need to focus in on. What do you say to those solopreneurs um, like me who say like, okay, I've identified my strengths. I know the, these areas where I probably should outsource, but you know, my money's still pretty tight. I can't afford to, you know, hire someone on. So I just have to do all these things myself because I can't afford to have anybody else do it. Yeah, it's a good question. So I, I like to give this visual that your business is like a multi-story office building. 
Mm. You've got this whole business. And, and if you were to go back and design your business building, what would that look like if every single floor in that building was a different department of your business? So you've got strategy and vision on a floor. You've got sales on one floor, marketing on one floor, HR, finances and bookkeeping. Um, maybe it's, you know, in your case, content creation, right? Yep. IT, technology. IT, there's all kinds of areas there. Yep. Where do you want to spend most of your day on which floor? And where would you like to, to stay in a little office suite and, and focus on that sweet spot? What would you like to outsource out to the different floors? And where could you go periodically, take the elevator up, check in, say, hey, how's that project going? Okay, yep. good, awesome. But part of this process is identifying that's the goal and then realizing, okay, how much, how much am I currently making right now? Mm -hmm. right? Divide that by 2,000 hours. That's, your, that's kind of your rough hourly range. And you realize, man, I'm, I'm worth you know, 50, 100, a couple hundred bucks an hour. And yet I'm posting a podcast that is, I could take you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes to do. But if I just spent some time to train someone how to do that and I pay someone else, I mean, you know, people in the Philippines or wherever, right? right? But yep. they're happy for an awesome job. They're yeah. getting a, a very much <clears throat> equitable wage where they are. And you've just saved a ton of areas. And I go through this whole process. There's 15 to 20 identifiable areas of expertise from web development to content creation to bookkeepers that are typically a lot less than what we're making. Mm. And so it's going through what are those tasks you're doing? How can you then build a system and visually teach someone, train someone on a process, link up a couple of tools that you might need to do to, to augment that and then let them try it again. What's the, what's the worst things that could happen? You get it back. You're already doing it. What if it goes well and you don't get it back? You just yeah. saved all that time. Right. Yep. And I, I've been listening to you and, and doing this myself. I first, I edited my own podcast for a year then I finally hired a podcast editor. And then, uh, I don't know, it's been more than six months now. I hired a virtual assistant yeah, taking on talking more about and more. that. And we're still kind of figuring that out. I'm outsourcing more and more and letting more things go. And um, I think the key to that, that was implied by what you're saying is that you outsource the things that you're not that good at or, or not worth your higher rate of time. And you get to spend more time on, you know, whatever it is for me, it's sales and marketing that's going to bring in money that will easily pay for the other things. Um, now, whether I actually bring those sales in is another story, but you know, working on it, working on it. And I'm seeing that that's, right. that's the area where I need to be spending most of my time and outsource all the administrative detailed stuff, uh, repurposing stuff, things like that. And for other people, it might be different, but right. the idea is to think about how and where you're spending your time, look at where you're spending all your time, how productive are you and what is your time worth? And could you outsource some of those things, you know, to somebody else? Yeah. Absolutely. And I remember I applaud you for this because I remember talking again back to our, our pool mastermind uh, theme yeah. of, of meetups, but I think it was at the Orlando Marriott. You and I were talking about this probably seven, eight months ago yep. and, and you took the immediate action and hired that VA. And it was just awesome to see that you're, you're moving into this space of freeing up yourself. Because again, the other thing that those tasks do is it, it bogs us down and gets us out of our creative zone of genius. Yeah. 
And so when you have less of that to do, you're more free to think about, you know, these strategic sales relationships or other partnerships or, you know, in your case, Hey, I've got time now to plan my first conference, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. there are some really clear opportunities when you have a little more time to think creatively and those are going to be much higher ROI for, for you. Yeah. And I, I want to end on this that I think it connect will hopefully connect all this together is that, you know, I think one of the things people admire about me is that I take action on those things a lot. And one of the reasons is because I've adopted this mantra of starve your fears. And we talked about fear holding people back. What could you do if you didn't let fear hold you back? And if you don't let it hold you back and you don't worry about comparison, when you meet someone like Chris Niemeyer and you're like, wow, that guy's amazing at running businesses. He's very efficient. He uses you know, staff and he outsources things. I'm learning from him. And instead of saying, I could never do that, that's only for someone like him, I say, wow, let me learn from him and I'm going to go take action over here and I'm going to ask him for more help if I need it. And if I need more, I'm going to hire him, right? (laughs) And join a community or hire a coach or whatever. And the more that I do that, the further along I get and I see my friends that are doing that as well being very successful and the people who don't are letting fear hold them back. So think about that. Um, Think about those uh, you know, the, the fear, uncertainty, and doubt, the seven C's of confidence. How can you leverage those? Um, we'll put, uh, you know, some notes in the show notes on this, but uh, Chris, if people want to find out more about this and connect with you, where, where can they go? Yeah, well, personal website, chrisneemeyer.com. So that's uh, spelled the correct way, C-H-R-I-S, <laughs> Niemeyer, N-I-E-M-E-Y-E-R. I got links to my LinkedIn and Instagram there. You can find me on both of those handles at Chris Niemeyer as well. Uh, happy to talk about this. I love talking about releasing people from their fears so they can go and do uh, amazing things in terms of impact in the world. And then also, and I think even more importantly, in their home with their, with their spouse, with their kids, uh, really having a, a solid impact in those precious lives that we get to steward. Love it, Chris. This has been awesome. Uh, so valuable. I know for me, and I think it has been for our listeners as well. So thanks again for coming on the podcast. Thanks again, man. See you, Andy. All right, take care.